property. We live on it, we buy it, sell it, invest in it. This is Propertunity Knox with Jordan Chernotsky. Good morning, guys. Welcome back. Another exciting Sunday of interviews and property-related fun. I'm your host, Jordan Chernotsky, here for Propertunity Knox. I have an exciting set of interviews today. Uh, first and foremost, we have Ross Levine here with us in studio. Ross Levine is the managing director for CIF on the Atlantic Seaboard. So what we'll basically be discussing is a very interesting topic, not really for you know everyone, but uh, important nonetheless. We are going to be discussing the sort of process and really things to keep in mind when renting out your home during the holidays, specifically, I suppose, in Cape Town on the Western Cape. Um, Ross, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Jordan. Good morning and good morning to your listeners from a very blue sky Cape Town. Blue skies are what we all crave. We have, I'm sure you know, we have bipolar weather here in Joburg, so we see absolutely all season, all four seasons in a day, almost every day of late. Rain in the morning, heat in the RV, cold in the early evening, and then back to heat in the evening. So it's a real uh, tough one to wrap your head around at the best of times. But uh, I suppose Cape Town's the place to be at the end of the year, as I'm sure you'll we'll get into that. Um, so, Ross, I suppose there's a hell of a lot we can discuss in terms of you know, the, the processes involved in renting your house out. But, you know, can you perhaps just start off by giving us a little bit of a taste of your day-to-day and sort of the the assistance and, you know, services that you provide your clients who may be looking at renting out a house as a holiday home or, you know, something along those lines? Sure. So, um, as you know, Cape Town is uh, very popular amongst tourists, both uh, nationally and internationally. Um, and a lot of the homeowners want to benefit off that uh, by renting their properties out, either through long-term or for short-term. And um, short-term can range from one day to a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Um, and uh, for an owner to want to rent their property on a short-term basis, the first place to start is making sure that if you are in a sectional title unit, an apartment, that your building does actually allow for it because a lot of the older buildings and certain buildings do prohibit short-term rentals. So that's the first thing to kind of check. I think the second most important thing is you want a company that you can trust, uh, that you know that your people who are looking to rent your property will trust. Uh, and there's a variety of protection mechanisms that have to go in place. Uh, you need to have uh, inspections done on your property so that you understand what the condition is uh, going in and going out. Yes. Um, you want to know that your clients are properly vetted, uh, who are going to be renting from you, um, and you want to know that the, the money is going to be handled and paid over accordingly. And then there are other auxiliary services. Uh, some clients, you know, if they're renting a house, they want security to housekeeping, to chefs, to all kinds of different things. Yes. Uh, so you want a company that can like provide all of those necessary services for each client's needs. Yes, I suppose so, it's important to run a tight ship, especially on a short term, given the, the potential risks that are attached. Sure. And there are insurance mechanisms in place to protect you as well, to just make sure that your your property and furnishings and all of that are looked after as well. 
Yes, that's that's interesting. I was actually going to get to that at some stage, and I suppose we might as well jump into it right now. So, you know, just as a as a baseline, what is well in terms of the insurances and the general risk attached? How would you say the the sort of idea of renting out your home on a short term basis during the festive season would differ from you know a general rental, a year long lease for someone looking for a home for the year, or whatever the case may be? How you know what are the fundamental risk factors that play a role in the more short-term side of things? Well, you would have to, if you have your property and furnishings insured, you would have to let your insurer know. Um, some of them you know, might require a slight change to the policy and a slight change to premiums. But also, if you're using a platform, um, which agents do do, uh, who are renting the, the properties out, such as an Airbnb, that naturally has insurance built into it as well. Okay. Um, so you're more than covered from that point of view. Okay, that's very interesting. I mean, I suppose you can't really cover yourself enough as a as a landlord in this regard, especially given the you know the type of person that may be interested in in renting your place. You know, it could be a youngster, a group of youngsters, a, you know, foreigners who don't really you know operate in the same sort of way that a South African would otherwise. But um, I suppose it's it's all it's all down to that credit check and making sure that you vet everyone as sort of deeply as possible. So let me ask you this. Okay, I suppose this is more fact based in terms of the current market there. But what sort of uh, what what is like your average income on a on a rental there on a daily rental? Let's just say a three week rental in a beautiful Fresne family home. What sort of a uh, what sort of a return could a, an investor be looking at if they've covered their bases and everything's in place and everything's beautiful and lovely and looked after? Well, I mean, it's, it's basically how long is a piece of string. It depends on the yeah, property. Yeah, of course, of course. Very depends general question. On the you know, in Cape Town, prices can range quite significantly. Your entry level uh, can be anywhere from one to 2,000 rand per night for a you know, an apartment, uh, sleeping two people. Yes. Uh, but that, that can push up. If you're going into, as, you, as you're as pointing out, a, a home in Fresno, uh, you could be looking anywhere to fifteen to 30,000 rand uh, a night. Wow. Um, and, uh, it can push beyond that. I mean, as you go closer to the shoreline, um, you're seeing 40, 50, 60. And there's even short-term rentals that are 100,000, 250, 500 plus that can happen yeah. here because we do mega homes up here on the sure. as well. I can assume Camps Bay, Clifton, those sort of those sorts of areas are really, really lucrative, I suppose. Very much. I mean, uh, Clifton uh, is obviously a very popular uh, rental market uh, for uh, visitors to Cape Town. But some people want to be a bit away from the chaos. So, you know, my license extends all the way to the City Bowl. Yeah. Um, and some people like to be out there as well. It's a little bit more greenery. Uh, it's not quite as hectic as the Camps Bay and Clifton strips can be. But other people want to be right in the middle of all the action happening at this time of year and pretty much from the 24th to about the 5th of January, the 24th of December to the 5th of January, it is heaving down here in yeah, Cape Town. I can only imagine, I can only imagine. So in terms of the, look, I mean, it may be difficult to pull these in-depth de- in statistics immediately, but in terms of the general demand, I mean, obviously, given that COVID hit us pretty hard a couple of years back, I suppose even a... Mm-hmm. A city as in demand as Cape Town might have must have suffered in terms of you know 
what was being rented out and the amount of people looking for a place. So how has the market sort of bounced back in the last year or two coming out of COVID? So, I mean, you'll remember last year, Cape Town was getting ready for a bumper season and we had the new COVID variant come out, which shut down international travel. So that's, that was quite a big blow for Cape Town particularly. Yeah. So this year is our first year, uh, and other than some uh, unexpected uh, change happening, we're really expecting one of the biggest seasons that we've seen in a long time for a variety of reasons. One, the pent-up demand our good exchange rate, which makes it very cheap for foreigners. Yes. And I think people who, some people who haven't had holidays in two, three years, just really exhausted, wanting to like take a break at the end of the year. So this demand uh, that's happening in Cape Town, and the season started early, I can already see that Cape Town is busy uh, now. Um, it's, it's quite hard to even get a rental booking. So this has pushed up rates, um, you know, uh, properties are looking to make up from the last two years uh, of not being able to generate income. So I would say that prices, firstly, the occupancy rates are high. So that's good to see. Um, and also, I would say that prices have gone up about 20, 25% in some areas. But I think a lot of uh, properties are still kind of on par with where you saw previously, and they are looking to just have longer rental periods and try and encourage uh, more occupancy um, so there's this variety of some people pushing the prices up, maybe a little bit lower occupancy, and others looking for kind of 100% occupancy during this period. Okay, that's very interesting. I suppose, uh, you know, being in a city like Cape Town, which is, you know, obviously on the up, it's almost seen as an enigma in South Africa, I suppose. It's almost like its own little sovereign sort of, you know, sovereign province at times. You sort of think it's it's on its own sort of wavelength compared to the rest, which is quite interesting. It's something that has definitely been prevalent for a, a good long while and seems to, you know, only be, it, it seems to be becoming uh, more prevalent, I suppose, as the days go by at this point. I mean, I'm sure you know our interest rates have just gone up and, you know, it seems that Cape Town is not really feeling the brunt of the difficulties in the market as much as the rest, which is quite interesting. Well, we have been uh, shielded a lot from that. Yeah, um, yeah Cape Townians, we see ourselves as the Monaco of South Africa, um, but very much part of South Africa. And, you know, the old adage for property position, position, position is very true for Cape Town. You know, and you guys in Joburg, you can carve another piece of felt and build more land and more properties and so forth. Yeah, we've got a mountain and an ocean traffic and wind and a yeah. wedge of land between that where everybody wants to live. Yeah, And a driver that I think has protected the Cape Town property market, although prices still remain um, relatively better off than they were three years ago, you've got a lot of this immigration driving uh, coming down to Cape Town, wanting to live here, wanting yes. to enjoy the lifestyle. No, definitely was a big push for that. And a lot of our, our property purchases are people from uh, your neck of the woods who want a foothold in the Cape Town property market, which is known to kind of increase much at a much larger rate than the rest of the country. Um, and a lot of those owners then do put their properties onto the short-term letting market, wanting to maximize with their assets and so forth. Um, and then some of them want to come down the stumble view and also use it. Uh, so I suppose for a property owner, they're a bit betwixt and between. Do they want this, you know, income which is 
obviously the best period of time to be renting a lot or do they want to actually be using it? Yes, no, I hear that completely. It's all very interesting, I suppose, the, the mindsets that one finds themselves in from place to place and, you know, especially, you know, different periods of the year, but the festive season, I suppose, the mentality does change to some extent. But um, let's take a little breather and we'll jump right back into this shortly. Property. We live on it. We buy it. Sell it. Invest in it. This is Propertunity Knocks with Jordan Chernotsky. Ross Levine, Managing Director of CIF in the Atlantic Seaboard, with me here for our Sunday interview. This is Propertunity Knocks. Ross, we've already sort of, you know, bantered quite a little bit of, you know, back and forth about the rental market in Cape Town, specifically over the festive season. But uh, obviously... You know, there's a lot of concerns and, and things to take note of as the property owner. But I suppose I'd like to sort of shift the dimension of this interview, I suppose, <laughs> into what advice you would give to a person, be it a tourist, local, whatever it may be, that would otherwise be looking for a place over the festive season. You know, obviously, as much as Cape Town's in demand and prices may be on the up and whatnot, I'm sure just like in anything else, people are always looking for a deal and the best price and the best location. So, I mean, it's, again, a very broad question, I suppose. But what primary tips or pieces of information would you suggest people keep in mind when looking for a rental over the festive season in Cape Town? Okay, so I think my most obvious and primary tip, uh, albeit a little bit late for that, would be to book early. Um, you know, these... Uh, Cape Town is high in demand, so often you're going to be disappointed in not being able to get the accommodation you would have hoped for. Um, and also, you probably get a bit of a better rate uh, the sooner you book. Uh, but when you are booking a property, and I've, I've had this experience uh, traveling internationally, you want to make sure that what you see is what you get. Yes. And I think that's quite typical because I believe you say you're also an agent. You know that we tend to take these amazing pictures and you arrive at the property and it doesn't quite line up with what you're expecting. Yes, so again, just making sure you're dealing with a reputable company, ask for a video, um, you know, a, a, an updated video, try and make sure that you ascertain exactly what you're going to be moving into to save you that disappointment of arriving uh, and it not matching up exactly. And then also you need to understand what the rules and regulations for each property are and that can vary uh, down to check-in times, you know, to what the expectation is about the condition that you must leave the property in uh, because all of those can add up to extra costs when you vacate if the owner has to for example clean beyond what was anticipated originally so just make sure you're fully FA with that and also if you are coming down to cape town and hoping to throw parties and those kind of things make sure that your property allows for that as well um, and just abide if you are in a sectional title apartment just make sure that you also understand what the rules of the entire building are you know some stop noise at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock yeah. just to stop the disappointment of coming down here and then have these extra frustrations on your doorstep or something you might not have expected yeah no i hear that okay interesting well of course uh I'm sure there's a hell of a lot more advice you could give, but I suppose there isn't enough time for us to really get through everything. But I suppose just, uh, you know, building on that in terms of being in the position of the, the tenant, all right? So 
once you once you've sort of found the right place and you have secured in terms of the general expectation of the landlord regarding a short-term lease what sort of a a deposit would generally be requested i mean generally speaking if it were a year-long rental as you know it would be a month up front plus a month deposit etc etc so what how would that differ given that it's over such a short time well again it depends on if you're using a platform like airbnb where your upfront payment is going to be requested and usually uh, so if you're taking a 10-day lease they will want uh, probably about 20 30 percent as a as a deposit um, but it doesn't stop there. Again, if there's stuff beyond that, they could come back at you uh, further if, for example, something goes terribly wrong, uh, negligently damaging the, the property and so forth. Um, but then the other properties who just want the upfront payment and there's not actually a deposit in place because, as I say, a lot of the platforms do provide the insurance. Yes. So uh, it can vary from, from property to property and whether you're doing it off one of those platforms or whether you're doing it directly through the, through the agency. Okay. So, of course, we you mentioned earlier that as the landlord, there's, it's important to keep yourself covered and insured and whatnot. But is there a, I won't call it a separate option, but is there a, an option for a tenant in terms of covering themselves and, you know, just insuring against any potential added liability? Or would this generally be covered in full by the insurance in place with the landlord? So, no, an insur- a tenant can't take insurance out because okay. they don't have rights over the property themselves okay um, so i suppose the only insurance is following the rules to making sure that they don't go and intentionally damage the property or something like that yes. but in truth uh, jordan we don't sit with a lot of issues like that yeah uh, you know pretty smooth um everybody uh, it's very seldom that you sit with a with a hiccup or any concerns yeah. uh, cape town is a big short-term rental market uh, opportunity and given the amount of short-term rentals that happen and the odd issue here and there it's it's really not a concern for either the landlord or the tenant really okay so then i mean look again I, I tend to speak in very unlikely hypotheticals but in the event that an incident were to have taken place you know insurances are in place but for example, uh, the, the tenant by mistakes breaks something or breaks a window or breaks a TV or et cetera, et cetera. At what point does the tenant take on you know, some form of liability in terms of even an excess claim on the insurance? Would that be built into the initial agreement? How, how would that be structured if there were an overhead cost? How, how, is it, how is it that you can protect yourself as either the landlord or the tenant in that regard? Look, it, it depends on the damage. Uh, I, we had an incident where a child took a marker to a white wall and proceeded to uh, perform what they deemed great art along the wall. <laughs> yes. In that, in that instance, the tenant was responsible. They did have to repaint the wall and take care of it like that um, because, you know, that it should have been, they should have been watching the kids. The marker shouldn't have been there. And I think, you know, in that particular instance, the tenant felt uh, particularly bad about it as it was. Yes. Um, but again, generally, if uh, a TV falls off the wall or something like that, it's going to go through the insurance. It's going to be part of the, of the yes. process. As a degree of that risk is also priced into the rentals. So, uh, you know, a landlord is aware of what the possible risks are. They cover themselves as much as possible. Um, and the biggest risk to the landlord is if something goes tremendously wrong, that they could lose other 
tenants because they've got to go and rectify something along the way. Uh, yes. You know, then they might obviously if a child's drawn all, all over the wall. You've got to get a painter in before yeah. you can get the next house. No, so for sure. that, that's where it becomes a little bit of a problem, especially in season when you can't go and, and get a painter on uh, on Christmas Day or something yeah. like that. Okay, and then just building on that, okay, so obviously insurance is, is let's just say, always, well, not let's just say, it generally is in place for damages and whatnot. What would be the protocol in the event that a tenant were, I don't know, injured or harmed or something to that extent while, you know, on the premises through no fault of their own? For example, uh, a floorboard breaks and they step through it and their leg breaks or, you know, something of that nature. What would be the protocol to follow then? What liability would would then apply? The first protocol would be to, to go to the hospital and go through the emergency yes, of section course. there. But you don't have a claim against the owner. Um, you wouldn't be able to. I would imagine most uh, most people have personal risk, but yeah. uh, no, falling through a, a floorboard or something, I don't think would fall under that per se. Okay. Uh, I'm not an insurance expert on that but uh yeah i don't think something like that uh, if they um, were doing something negligent but if it was a case where a fire broke out or something like that in the property uh, you know they, they do have to look after themselves uh, per se yes the same as kind of you know hotel. so like in the event that again these are my extreme hypotheticals but in the event for example the landlord failed to inspect basic you know well household securities and whatnot such as fire extinguishers gas lines etc and something of that nature were to wonk out would that be a potential position of trouble for the owner would that be like a negligent situation if the owner's negligent then definitely if they knew of something and they hadn't taken the necessary steps and protocols then yeah they would be um they would be in in trouble there um but as i say uh jordan we we pretty optimistic down here. We don't have many issues um, such as that. I mean, these are really the extreme cases yeah, um, and pretty much the outliers from the norm. No, exactly. Look, they say you you don't draw up the contract for the marriage, you draw up the contract for the divorce. So, you know, ideally, I'm just sort of uh, prying you here, I suppose, to understand what one might do if they were to find themselves in these unlikely situations that they may or may not have been prepared for. But it's interesting. It's interesting to note. I suppose, like you say, in terms of vetting a client, it's equally, if not more, important to inspect the home before and make sure everything's in place and in order. And I think, I think the biggest challenges that we find in the in the short term rental market is one: uh, the tenants not having the property meet their expectations, and two is the tenants not leaving the property in a in a neat and tidy condition, which requires. Uh, the landlord to get in the specific cleaners and to to go beyond what is necessarily provided for uh, in the booking, uh, and then that cost then does get passed on to the tenant. Other than that, we don't really see other major obstacles coming in in the way of of the landlord and tenant in those instances. Right. And I suppose you know for a, for a landlord, they have two decisions: do they want to rent out their property long term, or do they want their property short term? So. It's the perception that short-term uh, rentals, specifically during the festive se- season, does yield a much higher rate because you're renting it out daily. But yes. then when winter hits, you obviously don't sit with the same occupancy. And yes, you've got people coming in and out. So your general care for the property is not going to be the same as a long-term tenant in place. Yes, of um, and, and, that, and that's the decision on the landlord. And 
it was uh, with COVID, we saw a lot of those um, short-term leases moving into long-term leases uh, because they obviously couldn't put it on to the Airbnb market or the short-term market. And now kind of the reverse is true where property owners are trying to maximize and get as much back on their asset as possible. So there's a lot of properties that have been put into the short-term market for the season. Mm -hmm. And as I said, it's, it's a, going to be a, a big season. Uh, we haven't had any shark issues in our oceans like other uh, cities have had. Uh, our sea is clean, unlike other very popular tourist cities at the moment. And you can swim in our oceans quite comfortably, despite them being very chilly. <laughs> Well, uh, as a Cape Tonian, you kind of get used to it. For sure. Uh, as you know, I suppose morning, in 40 degrees summer heat, there's nothing better than a quick dip in Clifton, I suppose. You know you're a true Cape Tonian when you're doing these cold water swims at 6 a.m. in the morning uh, in the ocean. I haven't been able to get myself to that point yet, but it's very popular down that here. It sounds like an extreme uh, sport. Uh, wow. It is an extreme sport. <laughs> It's tough to be a Cape Tonian, uh, Jordan. It's not yeah, easy it's, down there. It's hard being so relaxed and happy and organized all the time. Hey? It's really tough having a city run so well and maintained and managed so beautifully. Eh? <laughs> That's the other thing. I mean, obviously, we, we don't feel the full brunt of load shedding like you guys do up there. And I suppose that's also something very important for a tenant to ascertain is what is the provision for a generator or UPS and so forth for load shedding under these circumstances. It does look like it's going to be here for uh, for a while, and I mm -hmm. don't know whether we'll be relieved during the festive season, but I suppose that's also something for a tenant to look at. But we're usually one or two stages below you. Yeah. Uh, so if we are, the country's on stage two, we kind of protected because yeah. uh, we and get saved there so that's great as well sure no i mean it's become well obviously living in this in south africa throughout load shedding and all these you know power crises it's almost become a, a prerequisite whether you're selling renting to have some form of backup power i mean back in the day if you had a generator in your house it was an add-on it was a bonus it was a boost it would probably get you a little bit more Nowadays, if you don't have a generator, it'll get you less. And if you do, then you're sort of in line with what's expected. I think you know, most people have moved towards their own generational powers, looking yeah. up at the hill the other night. And I'm amazed to see how many properties are now powered through load shedding as well. Most restaurants and uh, establishments like that have their own power and backup. Uh, especially going into the season. I think everybody realizes this is still a long haul ahead of us. Um, and those who have kind of, over the last, what's it been, 14, 15 years, thought, ah, it's going to stop next year or whatever. We yeah. realize maybe <laughs> matters into our own hands. Yeah, it's time to just, I suppose, cave in, dish it out and get that generator. And I suppose it'll pay itself off pretty quickly the way we're going. I mean, obviously it's expensive to maintain, but the, utility and the relief that it provides is almost innumerable at times as i speak to you we actually have load shedding here on the atlantic seaboard so oh, stunning such a flat. <laughs> but it's okay you don't you don't need power to be on the beach uh, true 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 and my luckily for me my you don't need power to play golf which is a big <laughs> win for me <laughs> yeah well, Ross, thank you so much. I wish we, you know, could carry on for hours and hours, as is generally the case with all my guests. It's really been wonderful speaking with you. And thank you once again for making yourself available this morning. And uh, I really do hope that you might join us again in the future.
Sure. Thank you for the invite. Always happy. I mean, if you really want to see me get excited, let's talk about property sales in Cape Town, but we can save that for another That day. sounds like a, a hot topic that I'd love to debate with you. So definitely keep your books open and we'll uh, have to get in touch to arrange that. But thank you very much, Ross. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, Thanks, enjoy the, the festive season. I'm sure things are going to get very busy, but I hope you have a beautiful holiday, no less. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much.